Off top. Dominique, did you know that hamsters can't get drunk? That's how powerful their livers are. In fact, a hamster can regularly down the alcoholic equivalent of a human drinking a liter and a half of 190 proof Everclear. <laughs> Play the music. <laughs> that was an outstanding fact from everybody's favorite college football man, Bum Chillips, a.k.a. Spencer Hall. This is debatable, question mark. Uh, this is the last official episode of Debatable before it fully merges with the Dominique Foxworth Show. This is what it's going to look like going forward. This is kind of our first show, but it's the last one debatable something. I don't know. Whatever. Let's get it going. Alabaster. Oh, yeah. You're not Alabaster anymore. You have a face. Am I, I'm Charlie now? Look at yeah, him. You've graduated. You're Charlie on all shows from here on out. Let's go. <laughs> um, all right, guys. First topic. It's football season. And we're going to start with the contenders, the 49ers and the Chiefs. Both of them have star pass rushers in contract disputes. Which contender will be in more trouble if their star pass rusher sits out? The 49ers without Nick Bosa or the Chiefs without Chris Jones? Yeah, I think it's obvious to me that it's got to be the 49ers without uh, Nick Bosa. Chris Jones has made it clear that even if they don't get a contract, he'll be back at week eight, which we assume that the uh, Chiefs will not need him before then. (laughs) You know, like they need him for the playoff run. And when I think about uh, the Chiefs, I think about them winning because of their offense, which is very different than when I think about the 49ers. Although we get caught up in the Shanahan hype, the 49ers win not only because of their defense, but because of that D-line. And that D-line is made special by Nick Bosa. How dare you on this final episode of Debatable and the first episode of the Dominic Foxworth Show in this format, how dare you make me debate you? Because I'm going to do that. I'm not... I think you're right, Uh, but I'm also going to just go ahead and take the other position. Full disclosure, because who needs defense more than the Chiefs? That's it. That's stressful on a defense, putting yourself out there time and time again with the Chiefs offense running up and down the field. I'd argue a defensive lineman is more important to their success because at the margin, those stops and sacks add up faster for them. I know the 49ers have other guys Mm -hmm. who can make a difference. I don't know if the Chiefs have that. I accidentally talked myself into a take here, and I'm going to go ahead and go <laughs> you, with it. You, you might have talked me out of my position also. Like, it's a good – it's a quality take. I think you're right in that he is the player on the Chiefs' defense. So, I think if the – here it is. This If the question was which defense needs the player more, I'd say 100% mm-hmm. is Chris Jones. He's the only guy over there that – it's like Pro Bowl level, consist all pro level, second best D tackle in football, arguably. He's their guy. So if their defense has a chance of being good, average to above average, you assume you they need him. The 49ers defense can be average or above average without Bosa. But when you spread it out to the team, the fact of the matter is the Chiefs defense won't be so bad that the that Patrick Mahomes won't be in striking distance in the fourth quarter. It's a possibility that uh, assuming Purdy is going to be in striking distance in the fourth quarter or he can do anything with that striking distance. It makes me a little bit more concerned. And both of their schedules, I feel like the Chiefs' early schedule, just at my own first glance, I guess we should look up to see uh, what the official strength of schedule looks like. But the first eight weeks is what I look at, and I feel more comfortable with the Chiefs' early schedule than I do with the 49ers. 
All right. I guess we'll move on to the next one. We nailed it. We yeah. agreed. There was no, no more to debate. Well, it's, it's also sort of hard. I mean, Patrick Mahomes did win the Super Bowl last year with no wide receivers and a yeah. mediocre defense. So yeah. tough on that one. All right. Let's move on to the story that we thought was at a conclusion, but it's not really at a conclusion. That's Jonathan Taylor. He's on the pup. He's on the Colts. But we got a juicy little detail. The Dolphins wanted to trade for Jonathan Taylor. The Colts asked for Jalen Waddle and draft capital. And that is ridiculous. It makes, begs the question, did the Colts blow it by not having a legitimate asking price for Jonathan Taylor? Well, they didn't blow it because they still have Jonathan Taylor. I think it's in one of those situations where it's like, yeah, I don't know if anybody else gets these text messages, but you get a text message that's like, you're, we're willing to buy your house. It's like a spam thing. And like, I'll automatically assume uh, or automatically ignore those. But if somebody sent me a text message like, yeah, I'm willing to buy your house at three times the value, I would listen to it. So I feel like that's the same thing that the Colts, if you are willing to give some reason and logic to Jim Irsay, that is a reasonable and logical position. It's like, I don't want to get rid of the best offensive player we have while we have a young quarterback who we need to work in. I don't want to get rid of him at all, but I would move on from him if you want to give me everything. So, yeah, it it seems like they didn't want to get off of him, right? I mean, part of it is the, like, insanity of Ursay running a franchise that makes you question as to whether this was ever the serious thing ever. However, if you're going to try to pull it on anyone, it's a remarkably sane move to try to pull it on the Dolphins. It really is. Because I know we've all forgotten with the slew of actual good decisions that they've made. This is a franchise prone to that. So, yeah, try it. Yeah. This is like going to your nephew when you're playing Monopoly and saying, I know you want to get me part in place. It's not that good. Look at it. It's all the way at the end. It's all the way at the end. Why don't you trade me for Ventnor Avenue? Why don't you just go ahead and give me that? That's what they're doing. We got a, excuse me, we got a producer interjection. Mm-hmm. What's up? Isn't this a tough sell from the Colts, though, considering yeah. Jim Irsay is the one who said that if Jonathan Taylor's out of the league, no one will notice. And now he <laughs> wants Jalen Waddle and draft capital. Yeah, it's an absurd sell from Jim Irsay, which I assume that Jim Irsay, like he, he, he swims in absurd sales. Like it, mm-hmm. it works for him. This one is not going to work out. But your point about the Dolphins is an interesting one or an accurate one because they didn't have a first round pick last year because their owner was running around doing nefarious foolishness behind uh-huh. closed doors and also actively racisming. All that stuff was happening at that organization so if you're gonna fleece somebody i'm not mad if you if you fleece the fins but yeah it just seems like it doesn't really make any sense none of this makes sense he's still on pup so he can't play for anybody now what's up spencer does it seem like one of those dad those deals where they would uh where they were kind of hoping that childhood rules of agreement would play where you said like uh yes oh i mean no you're like oh you said yes first that's a binding agreement right it feels like they were trying to get away with that i feel like talking about jonathan taylor with you is probably the best person to talk to about because he his best years of football were in college and you are a college football expert like it's Uh it's looking back at jonathan taylor's college football career and looking at what he's done in nfl although it's been really impressive this is like, and we don't have to go to this sad place, the plight of the NFL running back, but this feels like one of those situations where you look at Jonathan Taylor and you're like, yeah, he's great. He's coming off an injury, but look at all these carries that he gave the Wisconsin for free. 926 to, oh. be, to be exact. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, 6,000 uh, 6, yards yep. career. And he sat and, out a year and, for COVID. And he sat out a year for COVID. Yeah. If you want to know where all of the mileage on those tires came from, the dairy state, my friends, 
<laughs> running antiquated offense. Let's just or antiquated football. Let's just play. Uh, what is it? Big Ten football from the nineties when I was growing Big up. <laughs> they football. Michigan was one of the teams I was considering going to when I was being recruited, and then I looked mm-hmm. up there and was like. Nobody throws the football. Like I'm just going to be a safety on the edge. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. And now Maryland's in the Big Ten. Yep, Love to see true. it. Big Ten football. They're slinging it around the uh, yard now. All right, what's next, Alabaster? All right, so. Damn it, I got to break myself of that habit. I'm sorry, Charlie. It's what's okay. next, Charlie? So I forgot to print the card for this one, so I am really breaking the habit. But, okay, we got old old guy football news. And that's a soundbite from Joe Montana. Joe Montana said that Dan Marino is the best quarterback of all time. Your thoughts. Who's older, me or Spencer, to determine who gets to start? Me. You me. Are? Okay. I, I, right. I'm older, so I feel like I get to lead with the old guy. There you go. Uh, Whether you're oldest here, or not, I, it's the beard. The beard, I feel like if I shave that beard off, you might look 24. Oh, uh, no, let, let's hope. But we're not <laughs> going to find that out, are we? That's a secret we're going to keep. Um, I think this is a fine opinion because we're not saying the winningest quarterback of all time. We're not saying the quarterback with the best win percentage or most Super Bowl titles or best completion percentage. You're just saying, all right, that's the best QB of all time, right? Like, if I had to make that pick for the modern era, I'd take Aaron Rodgers because I like the way he throws that thing. That's That's it. That's the perfect perfect analogy. Well, it's not perfect, but it is perfect because Aaron Rodgers did win a Super Bowl. But you're right. Dan Marino's highlights – that, mm-hmm. Like there's nobody right. in his era. Like I, I don't know that when you put on a highlight reel of Joe Montana, you're like, hey, that guy must be a winner because like the passes yeah. themselves are not special. Like, hey, I, I bet that guy had a great coach and some great receivers. No disrespect to Joe Montana. He obviously did the drive and let many great comebacks, won four Super Bowls. But you see him play, you don't feel like, oh, damn, I'm going to tell my kids about this pass. But Dan Marino kind of is that guy. I don't know if there's a better person. I guess uh, Josh Allen kind of feels like he's in that category right now where if he never wins a Super Bowl, 15 years after his career is over, we'll be like, hey, you know who was really special? Josh Allen. And and Dan Marino, I feel like, yeah, I guess you have to call him the, the best quarterback, but not the greatest of all time. Yeah, well, we can go down this, go a little bit further down this rabbit hole. One, Consider the offenses he was playing in and the numbers that he still put up as a pass-first quarterback who was not happy to just be a game manager. Two, I want you to consider the schemes he was playing in. Three, I want you to consider a career that was, in some senses, somewhat limited by mobility issues after an early career knee injury, which under current medical circumstances, I think would have been handled a lot better and he would have been healthier. You go out and watch footage of him on one leg at the age of like 37, absolutely ripping throws to the opposite hash. All right. In the modern era, he would have been a nightmare and probably would have ended up with more championships. Not his fault that he ended up on the team that he was. Not his fault that he was happy there, by the way. Like when people go, well, he was with the Dolphins and Dolphins didn't, you know, they didn't end up winning anything. Okay, cool. They went up against some of the greatest dynasties of all time in terms of roadblocks. And additionally, the organization itself is a roadblock. Only reason he was there is because he liked it. He liked it. That's when you say, when you, your critiques of Dan Marino, half of them add up to, oh, what a loser. He liked where he was. <laughs> I, I mean, I agree with everything you said, but I have one particular pushback. Mm-hmm. Modern offenses get a little bit complicated. Dan Marino. Listen, hold on, hold on. The, 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 the original, no, no, for our big old boys who don't like to do multiple reads, 
and who just like to rip it, okay? I mean, I, I can't jump into Dan Marino's head, but when I look at the original Danny Dimes film, he locks on a guy, and he's like, I'm going to throw it hard uh-huh. and throw it accurately. What's the coverage? Huh? The coverage is, look at my arm strength. <laughs> my arm. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. That's a valid critique, Dominique, and I reject it in the name of <laughs> rock. Let it rock. What's up, producer? Can I tell you the sad only memory I have of Dan Marino playing football? All right. It's Listen it. to the Jags yeah. by a million points. 62 to 7 in 2000 uh, against mm-hmm. Mark Brunel and the uh, Jaguars. Yeah. We got to get you like a church fan, I think, maybe. Because it's like, all, no, not to cool yourself off, like to hold up. Oh, you know, like, like a, on a stick. Like, like on a stick to hold up because you like awkwardly with this, just for the producer interjection, but you awkwardly trying to hold a producer interjection is, I don't know, maybe we go church fan. Dr. King on it. I'm sure you remember those from the churches you grew up in, Charlie. Okay, college football storylines. All of these topics given to us by Spencer Hall, whose theme for today is big programs, new problems. All right, Spencer, what you got for me? That's right, we're going to roll. One, Georgia, obviously, number one team in the nation. That would be fine. Um, They're still very, very good. They have a couple of interesting tweaks. One, they lost their offensive offensive coordinator, who now went on and and proved his bona fides to run a complex modern style offense to the point where the Ravens hired him in order to put Lamar Jackson in a better chance to succeed. He's replaced by Mike Bobo, who is an old boy at Georgia, has already been the coordinator there under Mark Richt, uh, and who graduated from the university. It's kind of a pattern. So if you want to know if things are going to look a little bit different on offense at anything other than the QB, that's why they do have a new QB, Carson Beck. Um, good things. Uh, real tall, obviously Ooh. more of a prototypical quarterback than Stetson Bennett, and his name reads forward and backwards, right? Makes sense either way, which means he can start for the University of Georgia. That's my rule for Bulldog quarterbacks. The name has to work <laughs> forward and backward, and then you can start. Hold on, um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Don't move on yet. I would like you to tell me the offensive coordinator's name again. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Mike Bobo. Oh, I love college football so much. I love college football. The only other thing that hit me while you were talking is it hiring Munkin for Lamar Jackson. I've been happy yeah. about it. I mean, what do you what, what do you think? Like, yeah, I've been happy about it and impressed with the decision, all of that stuff until just now hearing you say that they hired him and reminding me that he made offense with Stetson Bennett suggests that maybe the Ravens don't believe in Lamar as much as I thought they did. It's like, you know, <laughs> you know, you know who we're going to get to coach you? A guy who won a national championship with Stetson Bennett. But anyway, what can, you can got I, next? Can I can I bring you back a little bit all if right. you're a Ravens fan on the ledge or, and for your argument? Uh, did a lot of really cool things with tight ends and not a lot of proven work at wide receiver. That's, I think that's where he falls in Super talented wide receiver. But anyway, go ahead. Right. Also, (laughs) Georgia has to replace a lot of talent on the defense because Mm -hmm. the Eagles keep taking their entire defense. And I know they don't rebuild, they reload. Every year's new, there's going to be slight new issues and a program winning three in a row, very difficult, uh, nigh unprecedented in the modern era. It'd be cool if they did it just for the achievement but major issues there in terms of we'll see. Potentials there, we'll see. Ohio State. Ohio State uh, also breaking in a new coordinator, also breaking in a new quarterback, has to replace a lot along the offensive line, and that defense has to avoid the big mistakes. Like, if you watch Ohio State-Michigan, a lot of that game's even, but when it's not even, it's Ohio State's defense making massive mistakes, being overly aggressive, and allowing these long runs that led to the massive loss in Columbus. So those are big issues for them. And then um, in terms of USC, Big dog, no defense whatsoever. That is still a Lincoln-Riley team. Yeah. Still a Lincoln-Riley team. You're still going to f- face the same issues there. 
Alabama, everything's up in the air. Like we we don't we don't really know what the offense is going to look like. I got a we question really, for you. Know, I got a question for you. So I appreciate all of those storylines. I'm looking forward to it. I know what the Alabama offense and defense is going to look like because it looks the same every (laughs) year. Well, about the Alabama offense, are they going to play Milrow a quarterback? And are they going to go back to the pre... I mean, they've had a top-line college NFL prospect quarterback now for about the last decade. And this is the Mm -hmm. first time where we're maybe seeing Alabama be like the early Saban teams. Yeah, Tyler Buckner's the, the other main option there in terms of someone who might start, and he's a Notre Dame transfer. Um, Tommy Reese is the new offensive coordinator there, also from Notre Dame. There's a weird sort of Irish pipeline into Tuscaloosa right now. There's not a lot that's known about who will be who will be giving the Lions' share of the production on offense, right? But you can go ahead and do the math, and I think there is one thing about this that makes Nick Saban happy, and it's this. He has an excuse to run the ball. He has an excuse. He's a defensive he coordinator, an defensive body coach. The yeah. um, no, he doesn't need an excuse, but he'd love to have one. I was I was going somewhere with my awkward transition, but I saw I saw Charlie get nervous, and then it made me nervous. But what I was going to say is the defense of Alabama. You know what it looks like because it always looks the same. But there is one player in the country that I'm very excited about, and my good friend and your good friend, Bomani Jones, has been forwarding me lots and lots of tweets and videos of a particular player that happens to be in Mel Kuyper's top 20, a projected defensive back, a cornerback, whose name is Cooper DeJong. Is Dejean? He's a white dude who's a top-level cornerback at, and I guessed it, of course, when Bomani told me that there was a top corner in college football. I said it's Iowa. So, what do I need to know about this guy other than he's an amazing athlete and people have finally stopped being racist, at least to this one person, about playing cornerback? No, you know that. Oh yeah, because we're gonna mention that this once, and then it's gonna yeah, go away. Yeah, no, that's, that's how racism no. works. You don't you don't remember when Jackie Robinson played baseball and then it ended? Like now we have a white corner. No more oppression for white cornerbacks. The most problematic football film pitch of the next year and a half will be no one believed in him. <laughs> Scrappy underdog. When he went to Iowa. What's the opposite of the blind side? I want it. I want that to be the movie. It's called The Front Side. <laughs> oh man, this is fun. Oh, let's let's hope that turns out a lot better. Yeah, than the blind side turned out. Um, yeah, uh, he's a phenomenal corner. Yeah, Iowa just athlete. develops these dudes, and they find guys. Uh, they find guys who can throw hay bales twenty feet in the air, which. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if you know about this, by the way. There is a festival in Iowa that's a hay bale throwing festival, and inevitably, three <laughs> why or four would I know Iowa about players. this? <laughs> oh yeah, and three or four Iowa linemen show up and uh, dominate yeah. every year. Of course, not because they went to Iowa and lift weights, but because they were doing this anyway, and that's how they got recruited to go to Iowa. Oh, yeah, man. that's real. All right. Well, the last thing before we go is not on our show sheet, but I wanted to cram it in there because I'm sprinting from here to my car and driving to a football field where I will have my very first practice as coach fox what is the message that i need to instill in these 10 year old 10 and 11 year old flag football superstars uh i'm gonna do it because i know these words can't come out of your mouth okay 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 they can't come out of your mouth you want to record me saying it okay yeah, yeah and you yeah. can play it we back got some them? cameras okay okay here you go just record this hey kids go out there have some fun let's go out there and have fun that's nice 
Because I know you won't say it. I know you're going to be like, come on, we're going to go out there. We're going to kill Nope. You. See, you got me mixed up. Yeah, dummy. You, you got me all mixed up. That is, I. Oh, no. This is what you're saying now. You're going <laughs> to yeah, get that right. moment. You're and right. that little psychotic gleam of the professional athlete behind your eyes going to light up. And you're going to be like, 30 minutes for the rest of your lives. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might know me better than I know myself. Anyway, Spencer mm-hmm. Hall, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you can follow us at Debatable. You can follow Spencer at at E-D-S-B-S on Twitter. I ain't calling it the new name. Every day should be Saturday. Goodbye for now. One more day is Debatable, but if you follow us on those accounts, it will become following the Dominique Foxworth show. Yeah. Creepy having a show named after me. Great. That picture behind me has got to, behind you has got to change. Spencer, can you see this? It's just. Um, is that Dominique falling down? Yeah, pretty much. It's uh, it looks like Chad. Chad Ochocinco caught a pass, and I'm tackling him. It doesn't bother me that he caught a pass. Like people catch passes. It what bothers me is I don't have any pictures of myself up in my house playing football. Like I just I, just, I would not put up a picture of myself playing football. It feels weird and. Gross. Yeah, but you, yeah, I wouldn't put up a picture of me typing. There you go. You know, like yeah, that's exactly that's weird. It's just I don't know. It, I don't know. I'm broken inside. I think is what it is. It makes me uncomfortable to look at. If you're not proud of yourself, but we are. Hey, shoot.